Welcome to another episode of the Double Comma Club with your host, Nicole Ruth of the Ruth Team, the number one lending team in Colorado. So it's Tuesday Live, and this time we're doing it a little bit different. Number one, I'm sitting down. That's strange to me. I walked into my office and my table was down. So there you go. The second thing that's different is I have Cara Palfi, my amazing marketing manager, joining me. Because you bought your first home when? How long ago? Three years ago. Three years ago. 2019. Pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Bought her first home three years ago, which we all know is a massive undertaking. The kind of, you have to raise up the money, you have to learn the skill. You, I mean, you hadn't worked with us. In fact, no. you, it was shortly before you started working with us. Yep. So didn't know the mortgage industry, was in the chiropractic healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. Just bought her second home last month. You just closed. Yeah, 13 days ago, actually. 13 days it hasn't ago. Hasn't even been a full time. That's month. not even last month. That's this yeah, month. Yeah, that's this month. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. So I wanted to have Cara on with me just to tell a story, right? Because we're constantly having the conversations right now about how hard it is to get in the market, how much money you have to put down, how much over you have to bid how rising interest rates affect Mm -hmm. your psyche, not just your budget. And so I wanted to just ask her some questions, get her involved, get somebody in front of you. I bought a bunch of properties, but my team is jumping in with both feet and I love it. Yeah, it's definitely a, you got to jump in. You got to process. Yes. I think going into it, I thought second time, oh, it'll be so much easier, but the market is so much different than what it was back in 2019. And that even being surrounded by it every day, talking about it, being in it, there were still questions that I had. And Nicole got quite a few moments of me running in here and being like, what does this mean? How's this going to work? So she and our sales manager, Eric, definitely got a mouthful sometimes because it's it's nerve wracking. Uh, And it definitely pulls on every single emotion that you have buying a home in this market. And even though... I have total confidence in being a home buyer and what that means. It was still, there were moments. Yeah. And it's not like you weren't surrounded by it all day, mm-hmm. right? We were here, we supported you, but you still came running in. I don't want to say in full panic mode, but there were a couple of days that were a bit panicked. So one of them was when you had to decide about the appraisal waiver or the, how much over asking. Talk a little bit about what was going through your mind because As lenders, as real estate agents, we help our clients through that process, Mm -hmm. but we haven't been through that process possibly in a while, Mm -hmm. right? So what was it like to determine how much over asking, how much did you just lean on your real estate agent? And then what, you know, did you get an appraisal waiver? Did you not? And how did that go into your decision? Yeah. So we tried for an appraisal waiver on a few different properties, actually. Surprisingly, the first one that we asked for, we got, we got overbid on that one. And then the one that you're referencing was the current house we ended up going under contract on and we tried and it listed at 735. We were at 850 as an offer, tried to get it there, didn't work. And then it's like, okay, so, cause we had to go up again cause there's an 875 offer. So we had to go in at 880 if we wanted it. And at that point I was like, okay, well, what happens if I put 30% down? And I try to get an appraisal waiver. And I was trying to play with all the numbers because I was very nervous that appraisal was going to come in really low, particularly because the other thing that you dealt with was the fact that we took a bottom off of our appraisal gap. 
So there was no, it could have come in at 600 and I would have needed to cover that whole gap in cash. I was very nervous about that. And Nicole said this, the one thing to be nervous about in this whole process is the fact that the house will not appraise for less than the sales price. <laughs> and she was right. And so was my realtor. He's pretty spot on with numbers and it appraised at our offer price, which was 145 over list price. Wow. Right. Which was a lot. It wasn't the highest that we'd offer over list, but it was definitely up there and definitely very scary. But it came in right at the appraised amount, which we're super grateful for. But I had to prepare myself in those days waiting for the appraisal for it to come in really low. And I had to run through every single option because you have no guarantees. You can right. run through the numbers, you can look at the comp, but I think the best advice that I got both from my realtor, from Nicole, from members of our team actually was run it the numbers, worst case scenario. Yeah. Can you handle that? Does that make sense? Do you feel good with that still? Maybe not ideal, but mm -hmm. does that still work? And if it did, then I felt comfortable with that because the likelihood that it would come out worst case was very low right um and obviously right. it came out best case scenario for us which I'm still very thankful for i love that appraisal appraiser yeah <laughs> very, i mean that's a, that. uh, that's really high i mean 22 percent of our appraisals here in the denver market give or take depending on the month are coming in low mm -hmm. right right now and, and you would expect that because it's a hot market where people are having to offer so much mm -hmm. over asking so if 22 percent are coming in low you have to go through the scenario what if not setting them up by saying there's no possibility it could come in low or positioning them in a way where they don't have any money if it does come in low you know because we've all had those conversations you know can it squeak by what are the odds can we play the game i get that but the reality is it could it mm -hmm. could yeah. and, and you had to face that ahead of time instead of at the time yes right. yeah and that was the the biggest what if for me was that it wasn't necessarily because the the first home we bought was definitely first time home buyer it's yes. cute it's uh, a tri-level it's 1500 just under 1500 square feet but we were starting to outgrow it and wanting to start a family we needed more room and so yeah. we knew that this next house was going to be a place we're going to be in for a very long time so i knew that it was worth it to us to bid over asking to not only because I think the value is there in housing, but because we we're going to be there for a really long time. And it wasn't something that we were going to leave shortly. And so I felt a lot more confident knowing that. And just, it happened to be that every single type of house that we and looked you at. you ran the bid over ask tool, didn't you? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, many, many times I was on there all the time, just checking that cost of waiting, which I've run those scenarios for so many of our clients, so many of the realtors. Yes. And you see it and you're like, oh, well, it doesn't really necessarily, like it can't be that much to wait. Mm -hmm. But I think we started our process end of January looking for homes. So it was definitely, it was what, a two month process. Okay. And the first interest rate I got quoted was a 3.6. Mm -hmm. On the first offer we put in, mm -hmm. by the time we closed on our current house, it's up to 4.675. So a full point. A full point up, yeah. um, which definitely made a difference and definitely meant that as we went, that had to be in the back of our mind with DTI and how much we could put down and how that affected so many other things. Yeah. And then it came into this idea of, are we going to buy down the rate? Are you going to do this? And mm -hmm. are you going to do that? And so there were so many more pieces when that started to change, which I think a lot of people right now are feeling watching them go, go up. And so it was definitely 
seeing that tool actually happen in real life and knowing that waiting definitely costed us a lot of money it was like hey there you go there's that in work i understand all this and i felt that personally i remember we didn't want to do 860 on our first house we put an offer in on because like oh that's way too high and i'm like huh 860 would have been a steal (laughs) especially the 3.6 yeah it would have been a full point lower yeah and less money Mm -hmm. right so it is that it's this conversation around the bid over ask tool, the cost of waiting tool, the reality that homes are becoming more expensive every single month right mm-hmm. now, uh, especially the Denver market. We don't seem to have a pause button. There are some people that are being pushed out. I totally get that, that can no longer afford to live here. There, I don't know that there's even such a thing as a $300,000 home in the Denver market right no. now. I mean, and the crazy thing is, so we we did in fact sell our first home and why very much believe in investing in yes. real estate. It wasn't in an area that made sense for us with the numbers, with what we put down originally. It just didn't work. So we ended up selling it. I bought it. Well, let's talk about that for yeah. a second, though, because I love the idea that you did the analysis, mm-hmm. right? Because we talked about that. Yeah. So it was, let's do the market rents for that area. It's a single family. It's only one door. There mm-hmm. was really no way to create a basement apartment. The rents in that very similar area were lower than what you were paying on a monthly basis, or you're barely breaking even. Yeah, it would have been like a $20 difference. So okay. with basically like water utilities and utilities that the landlord usually pays, would have only been a little bit of a gap. Not enough, one, to make it neutral from a DTI perspective, mm-hmm. but also just not enough with it being our first investment property, being on the younger side. We wanted to be able to have at least a couple hundred dollars in that gap to be able to save up money so that if something did happen um, we would have that that nest egg and so having just a tiny bit of clearance (laughs) didn't quite make sense to us you have to look at the appreciation in the specific Mm -hmm. areas too i mean we might say that the denver market is appreciating at 21 and a half percent but that doesn't mean that each neighborhood is appreciating Mm -hmm. so if you're getting moderate appreciation if you're not making any cash flow, if it's only one door, and if it locks up all of your equity, mm-hmm. it might not be a good investment. We talked about it a lot with clients that there were not a lot of like universities around, there weren't hospitals or big work centers. Yeah. So it's very much in a suburban neighborhood that just kind of was what it was. I mean, very cute, very wonderful, but you didn't really rent in that neighborhood. And so it just didn't quite make a lot of sense. But it sold. It sold this past weekend. I mean, and it's crazy. I mean, we were sitting here uh, my boyfriend and I were talking. We're like, oh, well, it, it only went $30,000 over asking. I was like, well, for one, let's talk about that idea. I'd be like, only. Okay. But we bought it for $410 three years ago, and we just sold it for $650. That, and we nearly made a quarter of a million dollars off of that house. Right. All right. So I blow is, out the whole modest appreciation. Right. But I mean, I it's. Said. But it's crazy that we, when we first started looking for houses and we kind of knew that we were going to sell our current one, we had, okay, yeah. well, if we just sell it for 500, yeah. maybe if we just sell it for 500 and that's kind of what we had in our budget, right. realtor looked at me and he goes, no, no, no. He no. goes, we're you're getting at least 600. Right. And he goes, and if you don't, I'm going to be at fault for that. And we did, we got 650. And so that definitely kind of calculated into what we felt comfortable buying on our second one was kind of the plan with our current home and that opportunity it provided. What did you do for your house to sell it? Um, like to get it ready? Yeah. A little bit about that. Yeah. So, which obviously I've never done this part of the mm-hmm. process before. So we called a realtor and 
he walked through and of course we like frantically cleaned because I'm I'm an organized mess kind of person. <laughs> if you know me, <laughs> that will make sense. But I tend to be a little bit more organized with other things except for my home. So we cleaned everything up. Yeah. We had a realtor do a walkthrough and he pointed out a couple different things. He was like, you know what, you should probably do this. So we had the trim and the doors painted because okay. they were slightly off white. They probably got painted six or seven years ago and just after t- over time. It just changes. So we had those painted. We did some light yard work in the front just to make it a, give it a little bit more curb appeal but that was really it we had done a lot of work over our three years and we always had projects going on we had pretty much updated both bathrooms we'd updated the kitchen and we'd painted the whole unfinished basement so it was white and bright and you could actually feel good being down there it wasn't dark and and we added a couple of different storage solutions into the house so we had Lots of updates we'd already been doing over time. So there weren't too yeah. many things that we had to do. Right. So if you were to look back at three years ago versus today, uh, I'm sure you could point out a, a lot of things. What would you say is the biggest difference to you, how you personally felt about the purchase? I think the first time I bought a home, I wanted to buy a home because I wanted my own space. to. I want to be able to like paint the walls and go nuts. It was not because I knew anything about real estate. It wasn't because I knew anything about appreciation or the type of investment it was. Nope. It was purely because I'm a homebody and I wanted my space and I wanted to paint and do all those fun things. And going into it this time, I definitely looked at it in a completely different light. Each home was evaluated in a much different way rather than just, Mm -hmm. oh, hey, is it cute? I mean, that was definitely part of it. That's still who I am. I'm a homebody. (laughs) But so many other things went into it. What is the neighborhood? What's the appreciation? Is it going to come in at value? Really thinking about that long term. And is it worth it to put, if we do need to fix it up, is it worth it in the neighborhood it's in, in the area it's in? Is it going to hold a lot of that value that we put into it? If we put $100,000 of renovations into it, I want to at least get a chunk of that back in value towards the house. And so we looked at it in a lot of different ways. It was much more analytical mm-hmm. this time. And I think once you buy your first house, you tend to know what things you need mm-hmm. compared to what things you don't. And you get attached to different things. And so we realized we had a list of the things that we knew we really wanted in the second house. And um, that became super important in the, in the process of buying because you kind of get swept up with the whole process. And sometimes you're like, oh, this house is under budget and it's great and it's got these three things. And then a realtor would look at us and be like, yeah, but it doesn't have three other of your must-haves. He goes, so it's not it. And we're like, but, but, he goes, no, 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 it's not it. Wait for the right one to come along. It will. Don't compromise on your must-haves if that's really a must-have. And I think sticking to that this time definitely made us feel like we ended up getting the perfect house and it's the perfect thing for us and we love it. And so. Um, having that knowledge and that background of going into it in that way really helped. I had those moments, <laughs> yes, <laughs> but in in a majority of the sense, there's a lot calmer, a lot more thought out this time around. So the role of the lender, of the real estate agent in this case, right, is to calm the activity, to slow down maybe the thought process, mm-hmm. to analyze and be the backboard. To you, if you put up the guardrails and say, these are my must-haves, it's the real estate agent's job to align you within the guardrails mm-hmm. or at least to call it out when you go beyond them, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then it's the job of the lender to secure the numbers, the worst case scenario, the bid over ask, the cost of waiting, 
the idea that if you wait, you could pay how much more? Eight sixty to yeah, twenty thousand more, but a whole point of interest. (laughs) Yes, the monthly payment. But that's real, right? You could pay a point more, two points more. If you started last year, or even in January, the very beginning of the year was hovering even closer to three to like the middle of January, started spiking up right away to now we're around 5%, that can make a difference. It can make a lot of difference. And it could make the difference between qualifying and not qualifying. Mm -hmm. So you went through the struggle of bidding over ask. Is the appraisal going to come in low? What does that worst case look like? Mm -hmm. Can I find the home that meets all of my needs and wants, Mm -hmm. right? And did I give up a home that was a point less in rate and less money? And was that the right decision? Any regrets now? No, I think the home we have is, is perfect. And I was actually just thinking about this the other day is every home. Cause we, we were in a bidding war with every single home that we were in. I mean, many of them. Uh, and I think we put a total of six or seven offers in and it would, I mean, we were going up with every single one. And I think looking back on all of them, they weren't perfect. Yeah. They, and it, so it ended up working out to the point where there's always like one thing that I didn't love about all those other homes. And the home we have now, I love all of it. It has all of those things. And so it ended up working out and definitely needs a little bit of love. It needs some yeah. paint for sure. And some new flooring, but, <laughs> but it's, it has the structure. It has the bones. It has the yeah. space, the layout, the yard for the dogs. So it has kind of everything we needed. And there's no big, big like structural changes that we need to make, which we would have had to make it on the other house. So I do want to point out, though, that you bid on six homes over mm-hmm. the period of three months, two and a half months, two months even. Yeah, two months. Two months yeah. Okay. Two months, six homes. So some people have been trying to find a home oh, for yeah. a year or more mm-hmm. and put in offers on 20 homes and to say, well, she was just lucky or she did what she needed to do. You were all in. Like you were running out of the office. You were going mm-hmm. to meet your real estate agent in the middle of the afternoon. You were watching every single home that came on, you would sometimes be the one that found it and tell him oh, like, yeah. you were active. It like, it's not a part-time job. No, it's and a full-time it, job. It definitely was. And yeah. I was, as I was going through the process, I was like, man, this must be so hard for people that don't have yeah. a flexible schedule. Cause it would be, it would be like two o'clock and I'm like, gotta go for an hour. Yeah. I gotta go look at homes. This is the only time we can. Cause it was a Thursday. And that was usually when it happened because they'd go on the market Thursday morning. We'd be like, all right, we gotta be the first one in. Because we, a couple of homes we actually looked at when we had them scheduled on a Sunday, we couldn't go look at them anymore because they'd already pulled off. They'd already accepted an offer by Sunday afternoon. So we were like, all right, Thursday, Friday. So uh, there was a lot of really amazing flexibility with that. And I definitely had the MLS tab pulled up and was refreshing. And looking at that, I had Zillow open. I had I had all of the Ari Colorado. Yeah. I had all of the different sites open, all the different search criteria in there. I kind of play around with it. And that was definitely, I would stalk those sites. So it was definitely a lot of time spent there. Realtor got lots of texts. Well, I want to see this one. Actually, wait, no, this one just went on the market. So I actually don't want to see that one anymore because I, I like this one better. And so it would be this back and forth and get a lot of patience with us. So thank you, Jeremy, for that. Yes. <laughs> so to wrap this up then, the experience was absolutely, I don't, what's the right word? It took over your life to a degree, mm-hmm. right? You have to be all in, uh, in the, especially in this market. You have to be willing to jump. You have to be mm-hmm. creative. So you had a house 
that you weren't selling until after, so you got a gift from your mom. Mm -hmm. Some people don't have that option, but some people do. And even that short-term gift until she could sell her current home and pay her mom back, all of these things. So where can you get the money? What access do you have available? How fast can you move? How much can you give up your time during this process? Mm -hmm. How much over are you willing to go? Running through all those numbers. Otherwise, you might have gotten into a house even sooner had you come to the realization that it was going to cost you that much mm -hmm. in the end. Yep. Right? Now, you found the perfect home, mm -hmm. but you, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, there's definitely, there's always that thought. Yeah. And every time you go back, and I think it, it ended up working out exactly yeah. where it needed to be, but there were definitely opportunities where you look back and you're like, huh. Hmm. Learned a lot no, yeah. Learned a lot through all those, and I think every deal that we didn't win, yeah. learned something. Now, obviously, that attitude will only go so far after you've not won 20 it, it will it wear off <laughs> it does. but i think you learn something every time about kind of what you're willing to pay and the last ask for our current home was a no-brainer it's like okay yeah. yeah take my money i love this house like this is this is what i want and it was yeah. so much easier than a lot of the other decisions to go over where i was super anxious and this one was like no that one made sense and you do, you have to know it's a long run game, right? This is not about the short term or else you get so caught up in the fact of how much over you're asking. This is about the long term opportunities. And especially in the Denver market, as I continue to talk to either folks nationwide or reporters nationwide for articles that we're doing, you keep hearing about the fact that it's intense everywhere. It's low inventory everywhere. Different metros have different levels of their intensity. Uh, so you could go to a sub market, but you're still going to have that intensity. The money is certainly here in Denver. If you want to get in, you have to get in sooner than later. That cost of waiting is real. Having those conversations with your real estate agent, with your lender. Well, my name is Nicole Ruth. I'm with Fairway Mortgage. We'd love to serve you. Cara, if you're an agent that's watching, uh, Cara would love to help you co-market any materials, talk you through the process. Personally, she's felt it. Uh, she knows where the pain points could be and where she can help providing those marketing materials as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And if you want any of those cost of waiting or bid over ask dates, please let us know. We run those for people all the time. All right. Have a great rest of your Tuesday. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Double Comma Club. Never miss an episode. Subscribe at thedoublecommaclub.com to hear more success stories and to get free tips on how you can get on the path to becoming a millionaire through real estate at any age. Remember, visit thedoublecommaclub.com and subscribe.